pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked! And it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hello, Houdads. Welcome into Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we are riding high off another preseason victory. 2-0 after a Saints 22-17 victory over the Chargers in L.A., where Jeff was enduring all kinds of natural disasters to bring us yeah. the latest and greatest from the sidelines. So many, so many natural disasters. We had a we had a once every eighty four year tropical storm. We had an earthquake, which just kind of came out of nowhere. And like the the alert for the earthquake is kind of comical when you get it because it's like get down, cover your head. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You told us to come to a football game. <laughs> now, now I'm supposed to duck and cover. What are you talking about? But yeah, that that was a that was a weird trip. Four days out, we're well, three days out in Costa Mesa, and then we had to change hotels and go because it's about an hour drive from Costa Mesa to LA just to play a preseason game in a tropical storm. Which I will say, we can make a big deal about them playing that game. I mean, it was it was just some rain. It was it was really nothing uh, significant in the sense of like. There's no reason not to have played that game. Anyway, that, that's, yeah, that's it, that. It seemed that's exactly what the <laughs> NFL found out. They had those two conference calls with both teams, I know, before things got underway. And obviously, the, you can't predict the, the the earthquake, you know, registering. It just seemed to be an awful, awful sign of things, you know, that, that were to come in that stadium. Yeah, it was just, it, yeah, it was just one of those weeks. Uh, but we got through it. Yeah. So we're going to get into the news and notes in this first segment. Then we're going to do the three up, three down in the second and third segments. Well, I wanted to do this last night, but it just became so hectic. It's like a mile and a half walk anywhere you want to go in SoFi. Terrible stadium, by the way. Terrible, terrible stadium. It is a $5 billion joke of a stadium, in my that's opinion. That's terrible to hear, right? I mean, that's awful. <laughs> the visitor's locker room. So there are two home locker rooms in this stadium, but the visitors don't get to use either of them. Because there is a Chargers locker room and there is a Rams locker room. But then right. there is a visitor's locker room, which looks like it would be suited for a high school hockey team. Like the locker rooms at the Superdome pre-renovation, they're going to be a lot nicer post-renovation, are you know among the less nice locker rooms I've experienced at an NFL stadium. These locker rooms, they were just like metal lockers with mesh. Like my high school gym, had this type of locker room. It, it, I, I mean, anyway, it was it was a whole thing. It was a whole not, not something you expect from a five billion dollar stadium, right? Uh, and it's like I don't know if they're trying to like mess with the opposing team. Like maybe that's Ooh, it. They wanted right. to be uncomfortable, but gosh, I felt bad being in there because there was nowhere for me to stand where someone wasn't always like trying to get through me to go somewhere. Like I, I, I mean. It's like a high school lacrosse team and then the Saints. And I don't know. It was a it was a whole thing. But we got through it. Did you get to see at least at all the the home locker rooms to check them out or no? 
I did not. No, I, I, I mean, I, when I tell you that I walked seven miles yesterday, <laughs> I am not kidding. I genuinely, and I didn't even have my watch on until I left the hotel from the hotel to the stadium and then back to the hotel, right? I walked seven miles during that time, which includes the field. And I'm, I'm the type of person when I'm on the sideline that I'm pacing. Like I am rarely staying in the same spot for more than like five minutes. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't like it. I just like to pace up and down the field, go from end zone to end zone. <laughs> so that's part of that. But, you know, when we got off the bus, cause like to in the stadium and it was, I mean, I swear I, it was a mile walk from where we were to the media workroom, which is where I had to get my armband. And then a mile walk back to the elevator to get up to the press box and here's something funny. So I kept asking people who worked in the stadium, uh, oh, do you know where this is? And they would all look at me like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, wait, you work here. How do you not know where the press box is? Like, I'm flabbergasted by this. At, at one point, I walked upstairs because I found the press box on my own. <laughs> and and that, But that's not where the radio broadcast was for some oh, reason. Okay. Like there's a press box and then there's the radio somewhere else. And so I walked up to a group of eight people who all worked there. They were standing in a circle right outside the press box talking. And I just asked the group, does anybody know whether the press box is this way or that way? Just point me in the right direction so I'm not walking all the way around the stadium for something that's 100 feet to my right. None of them could give me an answer. <laughs> they, they were all, they all looked at each other and go, no, we've finally been tested. And they're like, can you wait for so-and-so to come back? Because uh, he knows. And I was like, uh, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I'm committed. So I'd like to just walk away. But I've, I kind of accepted this. And then the guy came back. And so what I learned from him is that all of the workers called out because of the storm. Wow, so okay, like... Right. So many people who were working in the building that day, it was their first time ever working in that building because they were all seasonal and called in because they were bold enough to go out in the rain. Uh, and so that's why no one knew what they were doing. So it was just this, oh my God, it was a disaster. <laughs> but we got through it uh, and they played a football game and it was uh, none of the starters played. Um, it was It was ugly from start to finish. But uh, yeah, there was another kind of this almost like a PR disaster, you could say, with the whole Jimmy Graham incident. I wouldn't say PR disaster. You know, it, it seemed it, like that at first, at least, I guess. Yeah, it was a very confusing situation. Yeah. And so we can get to that. That is one of the big note, notes that I do want to talk about uh, independent of the game. So, yeah, Friday night evening rather. And, and so that's a big part of this. When it, the news first came out, I assumed it was a middle of the night thing. Jimmy Graham was seen kind of wandering in the streets. Cops got called. He got taken into custody. They said he kind of resisted arrest. To me, I think what you're seeing there is if, if you're look, talking about somebody who's six seven two sixty, unless he's saying, please come arrest me, you're not going to be able to arrest that guy, right? So even if he was just even like questioning, he's like, why are you arresting me? Like, if, if you're struggling at all, they're going to have a hard time anyway. So I, I think that was part of it. He was very confused and disoriented. And so it was difficult for them to take him into custody because he didn't want to be taken into custody. <laughs> Beyond that, you know, you assume like, oh, maybe he was out late drinking, whatever. This occurred about 8 o'clock. Like it wasn't even dark out. They practiced until about 1 p.m. 
give or take, like by the time they get off the field. Then they had team meetings. They don't really wrap up until like six. So like the idea that he was like on something or whatever, I mean, if, if he was, he got to work real quick after team meetings <laughs> to, to get from 6 p.m. you're in team meetings to to a delirious state of, you know, drug-induced, whatever. I don't think that's what happened. So you look at it like, okay, this was a medical thing. And to me, that's not a PR disaster. That's scary. Like, that's a scary situation. And the team doctor co-signed that it was a likely seizure. And John Amos is not putting his career on the line to protect Jimmy Graham, right? Like, he he's that's his genuine diagnosis. So, you know, we talked to DA about it after the game. And uh, here's here's what he had to say. Uh, yeah, look, Jimmy's with us. You know, he's he's uh, he's healthy. He'll have some more uh, testing to to go on. Um, but you know, look, he's a little shook up. But yet, uh, overall, you know, he's doing okay. Like at this point, it's like you're not. You know, with the initial news breaks, and a guy gets arrested at joint practices, and I think everyone's mind goes to like, oh, well, when Alvin got arrested, blah, blah, blah. It was this major criminal thing, and you had potential the suspension. suspension of a narcotic. That was the whole thing. Yeah. It was like, uh-oh. Right, and I think a lot of it was just based on confusion because he was disoriented, and you're just going to – you're not going to assume something crazy medical like that. But, I mean, I think that's where you're at. And so the question now is not so much of like – you know, is he going to get suspended or whatever is or discipline? The question is, can he play? Like, can he continue to play football? Or are there issues that like it becomes a dangerous situation? He's also a pilot, right? right. So if, if you're Jimmy Graham, now you're concerned like, well, what if they take my pilot's license away? You cannot allow someone to fly planes if they are prone to seizures. So, you know, for him, it's like it's a scary situation. So you hope for the best. And yeah, I think. You know, it's just one of like it, the news comes out and you don't know how to react and you're kind of like, oh, well, they're just covering for him. Right. I really don't think that's what's happening. I think this is a, a serious situation. He's back with the team. He watched the game from the locker room on Sunday. So he was able to be around the team, which is good. And so you just hope for the best. You know, it's it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, I think they handled it as well as they could. Yeah, it just adds to the madness that went on out west while you guys mm-hmm. were out there. But I guess surprisingly, there wasn't really much, I guess you'd say, dust-ups, fights or anything no. going on during those joint practices. It seems like everybody behaved great. Yeah, Derek Carr said it was like the cleanest set of joint practices he's ever had. And that's the funny thing is it actually like the trip kind of got wild toward the end with the storm and with flights getting canceled and all this. The entire pretty much the entire media contingent, the Saints media contingent was on the same flight back this morning. Just kind of funny. Everyone just running into each other at the airport because it was a direct flight from LAX to New Orleans. uh, I'm sure sure everybody could not wait to get home from this freaking trip. Yes, (laughs) it was. It's a you know, it's only four and a half days, give or take. But it's like. You know, it's a long trip uh, for for something like this, you know. And the, the funny thing is, like, the practices themselves went off without a hitch. It was perfect. You know, like, they got in, they got out. There was no issues. There was no fights. There was no re- injuries, really. I mean, I, I don't recall a single real injury other than Marshawn, which seems to be minor. You know, he left early with the with a knee issue. It was wrapped up, but it didn't seem significant. He was out there yesterday. Um, or he was out there on the during the game. He and every other starter basically other than Trevor Penning and, you know, Adebo and Taylor and a few others, you know, so I don't, I, I don't read anything into that other than, you know, it's, it, I understand any seeing that big rap though makes people concerned. Obviously as a fan, you're like, Oh, Marshawn, please be all right. 
Yeah, anytime you talk about knee stuff, you get a little worried. But <clears throat> I, I, I mean, I, I don't have, think there's any reason to get super concerned about it. You know, and, and that kind of leads into the other thing. It's funny because the joint practices went so well out in L.A., until, you know, the Jimmy Graham thing and the, and the storm and all that. But this week's joint practices, the joint practices with the Texans, have been canceled. D'Amico Ryans called Dennis Allen on Sunday and said, hey, half our team got hurt this week. We don't have enough players. It's not going to be productive. Let's just call it off. And so they're not having them. And they're going to adjust their practice schedules to fit. They're still going to play on Sunday, obviously. I personally am happy about it because that means, like, in order for them to have joint practices, they would have had to have outdoor practices. And I was not looking forward to those. Um, because you, oh, need you quickly got spoiled out in that Calif- Costa Mesa weather. Yeah, I did. I did. I sure did. Um, I'm sweating right now. I'm inside. Uh, I mean, but like the thing is, with to have joint practices, you have to do it with two fields. You can't really do it with one field. How? How? I mean, how do you do that, right? You would have to cut it in half, maybe, it, like it, uh, or like just do like offense, defense, and then and then flip. Which like that would take a long time, and you would get half the reps. It would just be unproductive. So one, at least one of those practices is going to have to be outside. And it's like one of the reasons you go to Costa Mesa to have a practice <laughs> is because you can go outside and be comfortable, right? Yeah. The Chargers were saying that was one of their hotter practices. It was 80 degrees with zero humidity. Like, it made, it never made any sense to me why Houston, the Texans, would be like, yeah, 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 let's go to New Orleans in August. Where it's 111. Yeah, it's hotter than it is here. That'll be fun. No, so they're not doing that, um, you know, and I think that's for the best. You know, I think it's a... Uh, I would rather see the starters play in that preseason game personally. I think you got the practices this week. You got a ton of those reps. I don't need another week of those reps. I would like to see some game action for those guys, at least at least the first team offensive line. But we'll we'll see. I I I think that's the next question is without those team practices, without those joint practices, do what you were initially planning in terms of reps for that final preseason game because I think you you are going to want to get some of these guys um, a bit of that work. Yeah, I definitely agree with the offensive line. That seems to be um, still still an issue going going forward, and it was definitely the biggest concern. I feel like going into the season is just how they're going to hold up, and also, you know, you, your reserves, which you know you're going to have to lean on at some point. Who can you rely on? Kind of deal. I don't I don't know if we see Derek Carr again, though. You know, uh, even though he's still new to the New Orleans franchise, and you know, he had one great series. Do, do they really feel like they need to see another, you know, game situation for him or or believe what they've got already and kind of just let it roll in week one? I wouldn't hate it. I really wouldn't because like you don't. I mean, if you had a fourth preseason game, would you not play Derek Carr in this one? Right. I think you would. And the, it's like the only reason it doesn't feel like you should is because it's the last preseason game. But you have an entire week between, you know, off. Right. So I don't know. I, I think you should be trying to get him at least a series. It's, like, it's not asking that much. And I think he would like to get out there, too. Again, the only question is, do you want to play Ramcheck? Do you want to play McCoy? Do you want to play those guys? Because if you don't, then no, you don't play Derek Carr. If you are willing to get that whole first team group out there and not just Trevor Penning, who needs all the work he can get? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure Derek would be like, well, <laughs> Who's going to be up front when you want to put me out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And we'll, we'll get into more of the game in the in the second segment here. But one thing that came out this morning, Peter King reported that, uh, you know, there, there could be some interest from Sean Payton and Blake Groupie, the, the kicker. Um, I think that Will Lutz is is going to take that job and and not give it back, right? Like, uh, so I would be surprised if they have any way of keeping Blake around. I think he has looked very good, um, and I think Sean Payton trusts the Saints' special team staff possibly more than he trusts his current special team staff in terms of finding and developing players. So I, I think there is some definitely some some meat to that that rumor. And it's just like, what's the, what's the, what, what could you actually get out of it? Right. Like, that's the, what is it really worth to not, cause they're going to cut him, right? It's not like they're going to keep two kickers on the roster. Right. So when you're talking about value in that trade, I mean, what exactly is worth giving up so that you don't have to fight on waivers? <laughs> cause that's really all you'd be trading for. No, yeah, and I, I do think there there could be some other squads interested in a, in a kicker. Just seeing poor Cade York from Cleveland the other day. I don't know if he caught that game at all against with Philadelphia. He missed the kick, flag, gets to re-kick it, blah, missed it again. And it's like, I know he's been having a tough time uh, uh, this training camp, even with the Browns. So uh, kicker is a tough position. And yeah, so Groupie could get definitely some some looks from other teams besides Denver, but I guess that that situation there seems pretty prime, and you might want to go to that sweet Denver air to kick in. (laughs) Yeah, no, right, right. If I'm a kicker, I would not mind. Like, one of the reasons I think Cade York is struggling is because he has to kick in frigging Cleveland. Right. I mean, like, that's just – no one wants to do that, right? But, yeah, I would love to kick in Denver, right? Suddenly you're hitting 70 yarders with no problem. You know, it's like that's that's a dream. That's why I draft Brandon McManus in fantasy every year. I guess they used to when he was their kicker. Right. I, he wasn't even good. Like I didn't even consider him to be a good kicker, but I would always take him because you know, fifty yarders, if you make him you get five. If you miss him, you don't lose anything. At least in the leagues I've been in. No, just definitely one of those positions too that are I feel like are not secured throughout the league. It's not like, oh yeah, this guy's got their kicker. I, even, you know, you you as good as Lutz has been there's good issue though. Why, why some concern and, you know, that need to push him was brought in with a guy like Krupe, but you know, at that 51 yarder was pretty sweet. And one of the, the better highlights from a, a kind of boring game. Yeah. There's nothing I've seen this off season that gives me concern over, over Will's ability. Um, there was nothing last year either, which is honestly concerning in and of itself. Right. He so coming back from that, what that core injury, yeah, and he even said he he said himself that he was like a deer in the headlights at times, and it's like, yeah, okay, I can see, I can believe that, and and he feels like he's in a better headspace this year, so For I'm not sure. worried about it. But all right, let's move on. Let's, let's close out this segment. We're gonna come back and we're gonna do three up or however many we decide to be up on. Uh, I have my list. And I'm sure Steve is gonna chime in with some of his own players. So we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna have our final segment: three down, three down, three down, three down, three down. This is Inside Black and Gold. We are coming at you after the preseason week two, a full 24 hours after, because it was a hectic, hectic nightmare with shaking and rain. Um, and Steve was on until midnight last Louisiana. night. Yeah. And Steve was hosting a show until midnight last night, so he's tired, I can tell. I can see it in his eyes. Um, but all right, keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. 